Amen. Absolutely beautiful. Thank y'all. Beautiful, beautiful. Miss Dorothy's beautiful hats that she wears. I may preach in one of your hats one of these Sundays. I might just put it on. I No, I wouldn't do it justice. They look beautiful on her. But praise the Lord. Powerful music. Thank y'all. And WWJD, you remember when that became very popular. Of course, it came out of that book in his steps. Sheila implied in the early service that I was around in 1896 when he wrote that book. That's not true. But I do remember when it became so popular. And But again, what a radical statement. And if we really did it, wow, that would change your life and your relationship and your journey. If everything we did, we really, really honestly asked, what would Jesus do? I didn't mention this, but another member of our church, and y'all didn't, some of you that come on Thursday, a couple of you know, my mom and my dad, they attend this church regularly on Thursday worship. They come for some little boy that they know that calls himself a preacher, and so they come to hear him and support him. My mother's having surgery this Thursday, though, or colostomy reversal. They're going to try to do that. So uh, if you remember Paula Beck on Thursday, be praying for her. We're praying and hoping that will go well and believing that it will. I do want to preach this morning. The title of this sermon is Supreme Truth and Supreme Revelation. There is someone who is truth and there is someone who is complete supreme revelation. As many of you know, we are encouraging you and all the congregation to read and study the book of Hebrews. We started this week. Uh, we made bookmarks. Some of you have got those bookmarks. If you don't, we have them available and also questions available just to challenge you. Vicki brought up some very good questions from each chapter just to make us think. So daily readings, our 3D devotions. If you get those, I encourage you if you don't, get them. Our staff writes those, but they will be coming out of the book of Hebrews. That all started this week, and then Vicki and I plan to preach sermons in or around the book of Hebrews. So I'm going to kick off this morning by preaching from the very first chapter that sets the tone, sets the stage for the remainder of the Bible. Scholars tell us that we cannot identify the human author of this book. Some will argue about it. It could be this person, could be that, could be more than one compiled letters together. But we don't know for sure who the human author is. But I want to remind you, you already know this, that we know who the divine author is. He is the very essence of God Himself. It is the Holy Spirit. We know and believe as United Methodist believers that He wrote the whole book. He used people to write it. But in this case, we don't have a human author. But I just want to remind you, we know who the divine author is. This is also important, just a bit of information about Hebrews. More than likely, it was written, the first letter, this letter went to Jewish Christians. In other words, they had been... Raised in, mom and grandma, a lot of their family members are still very Jewish in their upbringing, but now they've converted and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so for help them to understand the Old Testament, and now they're living in the New Testament world to pull those two together. So keep that in mind that these readers that probably first got this are probably still having a Passover meal, but accepting the fact that the Lamb that they're sacrificing now is Jesus Christ. So they're still reading in the Old Testament, wrestling with that, grandparents and so forth, and maybe brothers or sisters saying, we're still Jewish, but no, 
And they're claiming and believing that He's the Messiah has come and they've accepted Him. They still have high respect for Moses, as which you read in here. You'll see that it talks about the prophets. It talks about Moses in great respect. But Moses does not compare to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. So they're, they're identifying with that. They've gone to the priest. They've gone to the temple. But now they're accepting the fact that Jesus Christ is the, capital H, High Priest. And they're wrestling with all of that. So Hebrews, if you read it, helps us to understand also the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. All of the law and the prophets will be fulfilled in me. And so just keep that mindset as you're reading in the book of Hebrews. The opening statement is a very bold reminder that Jesus is Lord of all. A reminder that needs to resonate in your hearts and in my hearts from time to time. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to tell you something you already know, but you need to be reminded of it. So let's begin reading in Hebrews, the first chapter. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things. Through whom also He made the world. Your translation may say universes, the galaxies. He's the one who created them all. He was before the foundation of the world, the Scriptures tell us. Verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person. Talking about God. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. He is the express image of His person. And upholding all things by the, by the word of His power. Underline that in your hearts and minds. I highlight it in my notes. By the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels. And again, the Bible just simply states, the Holy Spirit just stating to us, there is the revelation of angels, the understanding. Having become so much better than the angels as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Of course, we know that there's none other name under heaven by which men must be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Verse 6, when, when He again brings the firstborn into the world, He says, let all of the angels of God worship Him. And of the angels, He says, who makes His angels spirits and His ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, to the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Your kingdom. Verse 9, you have loved righteousness and you've hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up. And they will be changed. Just get that visual of Him just folding up that cloak. And they shall be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has He ever said, 
sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, don't miss that. Just get a visual in your mind of that. As God's saying, Son, I give you all authority. Everything's been created by you. And I'm going to make your enemies my your footstool. You're just going to prop up on that. That is a statement of authority. I'll make every enemy you've got will be your footstool. Then he closes in verse 14 in this first chapter. And he says, speaking of the angels, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That's us. A few weeks ago I preached about the fact that we have an enemy, Satan. Again, the writer here just simply states that angels exist. I said then that if all of a sudden the veil were to be opened up, we couldn't handle it of what all the spirit realm is. I don't fully understand it all. I just believe the Word. He says there are angels, and I, I know that it's possible the Word tells us that we may entertain angels unawares. I don't, my mind can't wrap completely around that. I just believe what the Word of God says, and there are angels everywhere. I believe they're present here right now. We just are not allowed to see them. We were talking the other night in Second Kings, the sixth chapter, when Elijah prayed for the prophet, when all the, the chariots and they came and the armies came against him, and he was frightened. And then Elijah prayed and said, God, open his eyes that he may see. And he looked, and Elijah said, More are they that be with us than they that be with them. The spirit world is real. The Holy Spirit is real. But it's important in this realm of the spiritual that we trust the Holy Spirit. I got up early this morning, the wee hours of the morning, went in and I knelt down and I, I started singing a chorus and I'll share it with you if you know it. Uh, please sing it. If you don't, I encourage you to know it. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and your power. Oh, come in your own gentle way. I just sang that over and over again this morning. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit who wrote this and who wants us to exalt Jesus Christ and live our lives so that we can say, what would Jesus do? In writing this book, the Holy Spirit declares Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus Himself said, Jesus said, if you have seen Me, then you have seen the Father. In John 1.14, Jesus said, and the Word became flesh. The Word of God became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Hebrews, this book that we're reading and studying, deals with Jesus Christ's priesthood and His human sacrifice. You'll notice as you read it, it will go between acknowledging Him and His priesthood, but also the One who came down from heaven and died on the cross. So it, it talks about His sacrifice. But then it will mingle in practical ways that you and I need to keep operating in our faith and keep enduring. So His priesthood, His human sacrifice... And then we see this all in the New Testament. I thank God we're on this side of the New Testament. It's easier for us. I would think we should be able to understand the Old Testament better. But keep in mind, these readers that we're looking at it, they're still trying to figure out all there is to walk with Jesus. Of course, we're still trying to figure it out too. 
The first four verses exalt Jesus Christ in a position of ultimate authority and ultimate truth. Colossians that we read earlier says the same thing. But the writer of Hebrews wants us to be established in the fact that supreme, ultimate authority and truth is found in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you something. Do you claim, do you claim and believe that Jesus Christ is ultimate authority and ultimate truth? That's very important for your personal theology. Whether or not you believe that or not. It's important to understanding not only this book, but the book. We are literally living in a day when fewer and fewer people around us do believe that He is ultimate authority. Fewer and fewer people are going, I don't know what truth is. Truth, believe whatever. You and I are claimed as believers to know that He is ultimate truth and He is ultimate authority. The Western world, the United States of America, that we are in and a part of just in the last 10 years, 20 years, whatever number you want to give it, but increasingly is moving away from biblical objective truth that finds its source in the mind of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Many people are driven hither and thither, to and fro. And even, even Timothy said it in 2 Timothy. That in the latter days many will depart from the faith, for they will not adhere to sound doctrine, but will heap up for themselves teachers that will tickle their ears. They'll go for whatever fad there is. So many people are driven back and forth by speculative teaching. The Bible just calls it false teaching. Social media, and again, there's nothing, everything's not bad about social media, but oh my goodness, how we're being bombarded. By truths, so to speak. False teachings from social media. Not only from social media, but, but also social commentators. Politically correct teaching. And not everything is bad about being politically correct. But politically correct teaching that is often fueled. That is often fueled and empowered by the fad or the fear of the day. And that is happening. In the end, the so-called truths of our age, like beauty, are all kind of in the eye of the beholder. Yet despite, hear this, yet despite our loss of confidence in objective truth, truth has not ceased to be, nor will it. It will always be. Because it's found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Luke 21, 33, He said that heaven... And earth, as we know it, as we understand the heavens and the earth. He said, they will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Jesus said in John fourteen six six. Jesus said to him, He said to Thomas, remember when Thomas, Jesus said, I've got to go down the cross and, and I'm going to go up to heaven. And, and they said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't understand all this and we sure don't know the way. You remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one will come unto the Father except through me. That's a bold statement. Jesus made it. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if... I've said this a lot, but one of the biggest words in the Bible 
is IF. If. Because it's a condition. And so Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. There's an opposite truth of that. If you do not abide in my word, you're not my disciples. But if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Social media, social commentators, they may throw out there all kinds of false teachings, and governments may and do legislate, but there is one, capital O, there is one who has been and has come into our world. And this is what Hebrews is trying to tell us. He's come into this world who stands above all teachings of humanity, who transcends all truth, and the one who is the emperor of the universe. That's the acknowledgement that the Spirit of God is giving to him when we read Hebrews. And that, that's a foundation that you need to know as you read the rest of Hebrews. Because it's going to call us to endure. It's going to call us that he who called you is faithful, but I have called you to be faithful, and you can be. And so he gives us ways that we can endure. But he calls us to be people of faith. I quote Hebrews eleven six quite often. That chapter is the hall of faith. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah, and we read on and on. So that in Hebrews eleven six, one of the verses that God used when He called me into ministry, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he or she who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that would diligently seek Him. And so it encourages us to keep seeking, endure to the end. So yes... There is a truth, a supreme truth, a truth that sets us free, and this comes from a communicating God, this revelatory God who's given us revelation. It comes from Him communicating through us through this baby that came to this earth in Bethlehem. That's why we make Christmas such a big deal. Our God became human so that you and I could be set free. So that we could sing the songs we did today that we don't have to die in our sins. We have a Redeemer. We have a Savior who is absolute and total truth. And He broke right into this dark world. And He still breaks through. After the Thursday evening worship service, I went out to my truck. I was fixing to leave and a young boy, about 17, 18 years old, hollered up the street, Hey, mister! I said, Yes, sir. He and another one following him came up. Turned out they were stepbrothers. They said, Could you get us something to eat? And I said, sure, get in my truck. And I knew then I had them captive. And so I went and took them and I got them something to eat, but I also shared with them some other food. I talked to them about Jesus. They looked at me with puzzled minds, even their names, and you can pray for them, you don't have to know their names, but their names, I, they gave me their whole name. I said, what are y'all's names? They told me their full name. I wrote it down. I said, I'm going to pray for y'all. One of the names, the middle names was Matthew and one was John. And I said, did you know that y'all's names are biblical? And they looked at me. They had no clue. And I said, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what are you talking about? They had no clue. I gave them some scripture. I prayed with them. And I said, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He can forgive you and redeem you and restore you back to life. I prayed. I was hoping I'd see them this morning. But I'm going to keep interceding for them. 
Because I believe that there is one who is absolute truth. That every human needs to know Him. Hebrews tells us this. God has appointed Jesus heir of all things. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. He is the express image of His person. He upholds all things by the word of His power. He sits down at the right hand of majesty on high. That's what it says. He is supreme truth in Revelation. So the book of Hebrews is going to encourage us to be faithful and to endure. And we, we can. And the reason we can is because of the love and the sacrifice and the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And we claim today as we look at Hebrews that He is supreme truth and He is supreme revelation. I'm going to close with a statement that y'all hear me say all the time. You get tired of hearing it, but you're going to hear it again. Because I think a part of what Hebrews tells us is something my grandmother Beck used to tell me all the time. Son, you got to keep on keeping on. Now, I've been looking my whole life to find that statement in the Bible. And I'm just here to tell you it's all in the Bible. So, as you read Hebrews, keep on keeping on. Being the sons and the daughters who the high priest has called you and I to be. We're not alone in this. And we're going to endure. We win with Him who is supreme truth and supreme revelation. Let's pray together. Father God, we bow to Your Son, Jesus Christ, this morning. We hear Your Word and Holy Spirit. You've called us to bow and to speak the name of Jesus with authority, but also with reverence and awe of knowing without Him none of us would be redeemed. That's what gives Him supremacy. That's what gives Him complete authority. Because He came down from being Lord of all and became human like we are that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Therefore, He deserves to be called King. We praise You, Jesus. Lord, as we look and read in the book of Hebrews, open our minds and our hearts and encourage us to keep on keeping on. We love You. We praise You. Lord, I don't know about everybody else here, but I need you. And I thank you that we have you because of your love and your grace. Come, Holy Spirit, come and do the work that only you can do inside the human heart. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Always give an invitation. I want to be very specific. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, we're going to sing, Jesus Calls Us. It's on 398, 398. We're going to sing verses 1, verse 4, and verse 5. 1, 4, and 5. Hymn number 398. If you have a need, this altar is always open. Vicki and I would love to pray with you. If you do not know Jesus Christ and you want to know Him today as the truth in your life, we invite you to come. Let's stand together. 398.